We are into it. Friday edition of Sportsnet today. Boomer hanging out. Ryan off for the day and uh, next week. Getting an early start. Good for him. We'll get into some Flames talk in a little bit with Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. We'll talk to you, Mendez of The Athletic. It's time for the Speargrass Golf Show, brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience. Visit them at speargrass.ca. And what a what a coincidence. Look at it. It all just kind of connects. Mitch Fox is our guest today, the assistant pro out at Speargrass. Mitch, good morning, man. Thanks for doing it. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Are you, are you getting... Is, is Speargrass getting all the moisture that we're getting here in the city, or are you being spared a little bit? Because it is damp here in the, in downtown. Uh, I think we're getting a little bit of it. I'm actually not out there yet. I'm just about to head out there after this. Um, I got into town last night from uh, playing a different tournament, but I think it's supposed to clear up there out there in the afternoon. We Usually everything misses us out there, luckily. So yeah, well, same thing today. It'll pay off. Well, even even if it is, we'll be bitching about not having enough rain here in in a week if we're not careful. Now you were talking about this uh, this golf event. You you of course are speaking of the 2022 Alberta Open Championship. And uh, looky, yeah, looky here, a little a little T three for Mitch Fox in the uh, the shortened tournament, uh, which you would have won had it not been uh, shortened to 36 holes. Right, uh, just one more get one more day in there, and you'd have, you'd have had this thing right. Yeah, that's what you'd like to think, but uh, who knows what could happen. It was uh, it was pretty wet out there. I was chasing a guy that, um, well, a young guy from NC State, Ethan Choi there, and then uh, in the pro division, Stefan Cox was leading, and uh, he's from the UK, so I'm not sure the rainy weather and, and wind would have been the perfect conditions for me to chase down a guy from the UK, but <laughs> yeah. I would have given it a shot for sure. <laughs> Tell me about the tournament because it's you'll know a lot of the like you say you it's a small community in a way when it comes to assistant pros golf pros the the guys that play in this event uh, it's it's competitive guys love winning it they, they it really gets the juices going for you guys right yeah it's it's usually at the start of the year and it's kind of one of their marquee events for sure it's kind of a cool event where I would say me probably a little than little less than half the field is pros you get a mixture of pros that just play for a living and you get some club pros and teaching pros um then you get a lot of young guys like a lot of junior golfers and some uh young good amateurs i know it was kind of my first um exposure to playing with pro golfers when i was young i don't know i think i was 14 or 15 and got to play with some golf pros and i still remember it now so it's kind of a good mix where you get the amateurs and the pros playing in the same tournament in uh, a tournament that's usually a three-day tournament, which is a nice mix also. Which, which again, was the only thing holding you back. Two rounds, just yeah. not, not enough yeah. for, for Mitch Fox to really start to, you know, <laughs> 70 round one, 68 round two. I mean, you'd have, been, you'd have been right there. Three shots back, you'd have made that up no problem, right? I'd like to think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm usually a slow starter, so I'll take as many <laughs> rounds as I can possibly have to to battle my way back after my usual slow starts in round one <laughs> let's talk about speargrass it's a unique spot we we talk about it all the time we encourage people to go out there there's there's real estate it's a little community it's an it's a really cool little spot that is closer than uh, than people think i guess just give us kind of the cole's notes the the quick uh, update on speargrass and where we're at here as we come to the end of june of 2022 yeah, it's, it's great. It's about 30 minutes out of the city, max, if you're coming from the 
east side of the city and uh, it's not too far from anywhere else also it's a nice easy drive i do it out there almost every day and it's not too bad on um, the course it's a great golf course we got six par five six par three six par fours that's kind of what everyone talks about from the start and then from there you know at least if you're driving 30 minutes you, the course is always in really good shape you don't even have to ask um the greens are always good our superintendent uh russ cram does a great job out there at all times um so you kind of know what you're getting into before you even head out there. Um, we have the prices are very reasonable um, during the week. I think it's seventy five dollars with cart. We have specials on Friday nights, which will be tonight, which is eighty dollars with the round and a meal. Um, can't get too much better than that. And then, uh, yeah, the last few finishing holes is kind of what we're known for. The three holes that are along the river there and everyone kind of talks about them to end their day. And, uh, and and like you say, you can go speargrass.ca is the website. All the details you need there. And like you say, the rates and, and all of that, it's uh, it's going to be hard to beat. And yeah, and because you you know you're right there on the water, the, the greens are always like you say, they better be in good shape, right? You got all that uh, get get the water on it, let her buck, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah, we're fortunate out there. They seem to they seem to open at the start of the year in really good shape, and then then they just stay like that and get a little faster through the year. Um, yeah, they're, we're very fortunate to always have good putting greens and good fairways. Uh, really good driving range to warm up also. It's probably one of my favorite parts that's kind of overlooked out there. It's a nice grass driving range. It's perfect if you're looking to hit balls also before the round. Um, and then, yeah, the restaurant staff does a great job also if you, for the steak sandwich or fish and chips on Friday nights after your round. Right on. That's a tough yep. decision, boy. It's steak sandwich. <laughs> that'd be harder than play. That's harder than the round. Mitch, good to talk to you, man. Appreciate it. Good job out at uh, the Alberta. All joking aside, that's a hell of a hell of a couple days. Congrats on that. And then uh, thanks for doing this with us this morning. Thank you very much. I appreciate it for yeah, having me on. You bet. Mitch Fox, assistant pro out at Speargrass Speargrass Golf Show, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience. Visit them online, Speargrass.ca. Go and check out all the. Uh, rates and all that they got the senior rates they got the daytime rates all that go check it out online we are into Sportsnet today it is a presentation of wild rose brewery proudly brewing their beer right here in our city visit the tap room the restaurant at curry barracks find your favorite wild rose beer at bars and liquor stores throughout alberta pleased to be joined by our next guest longtime friend of the show always good with his time uh Ian Mendez from the Athletic. Ian, it's uh, did you expect to be one of the, uh, the the cup could be handed out tonight, but still one of the big news stories in the National Hockey League is coming from your city. I didn't see this coming. Good to talk to you. Yeah, listen, always great to be on with you. Um, is it not? Tell me this. Is it not weird? Remember when the NHL was really adamant and it felt like for years that during the Stanley Cup final they didn't want significant news leaking out. I feel like in this year's Stanley Cup, the Flyers named Tortorella the head coach. Uh, Florida's got Paul, Paul Maurice. Ottawa's got a new arena. It feels like uh, there's, there's stories all over the place. But, yeah, listen, this, is a, this was a huge day in Ottawa yesterday. But as you know, I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits with, with the people in Calgary because you've had some false starts uh, when it comes to a downtown arena where you think, okay, well, the, 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 the key hurdle has been cleared and here we go. And guess what? Uh, a couple of months later, it all falls apart. So there's cautious optimism here, but uh, we, we've been down this road before. Well, people were hit, uh, coming at me on, on Twitter yesterday and said, are, are we getting lapped by the Ottawa Senators? Because their old <laughs> rink is newer than the rink we're still in. So I don't know. 
uh, we might get lapped by you if we're not careful. This is a big development. The uh, for for people that have maybe have not been to Ottawa, there where the rink is now, it's quite a ways out of town. Where the rink is set to be, with crossed fingers, going to be is right in the heart of the city, which I think is perfect. I guess talk to us a little bit about these hurdles that the team and that the city and all of that have faced prior to getting to this point. Yeah, so right now, for people not familiar with Ottawa, uh, the arena is 25... Like, if you're at Parliament Hill, I think Parliament Hill seems like a spot where most people, when you when you picture Ottawa in your mind's eye, that's what you're picturing. Uh, the arena is 25 kilometers west of Parliament Hill. So you're out in the suburbs. And so it has been a challenge. There's no light rail that gets out there. There's no rapid transit that gets there. You have to drive your car to get to the game. And um, it is a gong show uh, in the middle of January in a snowstorm. And there's, you know, if there's 15,000, 16,000 people and everyone's trying to get out at the same time, it's a frustrating experience. It's one of the only arenas, I think, in North America where there is no, uh, you know, any sort of rapid transit, even in the proximity. The hope is that this downtown arena, which will be, a, you know, a, maybe a kilometer and a bit west of uh, Parliament Hill, is more centrally located, will be in between two light rail stops, which we've already got up and running. Um, there'll be restaurants there. There'll be things to do. Right now, this arena in Ottawa is basically in a cornfield. Like, there, there's, there's some stuff around it, but there's no, like, if you go to the game, you can't say, you know what, let's, let's go here for a drink right after. There's nowhere to go. You just get in your car and you... You drive out. So the hope is um, that you get the the downtown arena, that you get out of this suburban feel to the rink. And, you know, hopefully, again, we're still probably looking at four or five years from now until this is uh, this this project is wrapped up. And it's I mean, it there's really no other way to kind of go at it. And with all due respect to, you know, to, to Eugene Melnick, who, of course, passed away earlier this year. It happened very quickly. We're four days shy of the three-month mark of his passing that this got done. This, this safe to say, this was not Eugene's vision. Uh, no, no. And in fact, it's kind of the opposite. It's it's funny. Like the the the, the, the attempts to get a downtown arena under Eugene Melnick was a roller coaster ride. Honestly, a roller coaster ride because they originally got the right to do this in 2016, and then. Eugene Malnick really had a falling out with his business partners on the project. In fact, there are still pending lawsuits from that project that are, that are hanging over the club's head uh, because everything just fell apart. Uh, basically, uh, that, that's, that last situation deteriorated. All right? There was like a trail of lawsuits and broke, busted relationships, and really, ultimately, there was no developed land. Um, and then Eugene kind of would, would, you know, sometimes he would say, you know, we don't need a downtown rink. And then, you know, a few months later, he would say, well, I'm still open to a downtown rink. So he was very much um, an unpredictable factor. I'll, I'll use that word unpredictable uh, in the whole situation. Um, but I do think that one of his last wishes, uh, and he passed away um, in, in, in March, and, and the deadline to submit the bid for this was at the end of February. So I, I do believe that he was aware of what was going on, even though his, his health was failing. And I do think that his ideal vision was, hey, I want to sign off on this, and I want this to, you know, to, to, to be one of my legacies. But really, now the hard work begins. And, and you know, unfortunately, he's, he's not part of the... Uh, uh, equation because he, he passed away but now this is this is where the hard part comes and you know this from calgary you, you've seen this happen where 
you think you've taken the first step, and then now it's like, hey, by the way, who's paying for this? And and that's where things can, can sometimes fall apart. So this is going to be really interesting. This is where they're going to need some partners. This is where they're going to need uh, maybe some government help. This is the, the, You're going to see a lot of things. Um, and last time, it was a very toxic uh, relationship. And the hope is that this time, there's the, that toxicity has, uh, has kind of been removed from the equation. Yeah, it, there's always hurdles and there's hoops that you have to get through. But is it, I, I think it's probably just people we've talked to. This this is getting done one way or the other. It's it's come too far, and we're too far into. Like you say, there's been so many ups and downs. It feels like this one's going to work to some degree, right? It does. You know what though? But like, uh, it was really funny. So the mayor of Ottawa is, uh, and he's he's been the mayor here for a long time. A guy by the name of Jim Watson, and Jim yesterday in his kind of his first public uh, comments on 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 this deal, kind of reaching this point, he made he he made the analogy to the movie Groundhog Day. He even said, look, Le Breton Flats has been Groundhog Day. You wake up and it's like, here we go again. So I think as much as there is a lot of reason, and I think there is space for optimism, until you see them with the shovels and the shovel hits the ground, that's to me when, okay, I can start to vision it. I can start to envision it. I can feel it. But until that happens, there are so many hurdles to clear in terms of financing, in terms of the size of the rink, in terms of, you know, how are we going to fit this all in? Like that to me, and, and, and now we're looking at, they have a deadline to get this lease done. I believe it's the fall of 2023. So we're still 18 months away from them having to kind of line up the financing, uh, I think, for, for all of this. So it's still a long game. I'm optimistic, but I still am aware enough to know that things can fall off the rails at any point. And until you see, uh, you know, that obligatory photo with, you know, politicians with hard hats and uh, wearing their suits and their business suits and they're all got shovels. Until we get to that picture, I'm going to always hold out a little bit of cynicism here. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. We, we we know it well. We know it well here. Yeah, sure. exactly. We can pivot a little bit, talk about the Senators as we're getting close to the NHL draft. 11 picks overall through the seven rounds, five in the first three, including the seventh overall pick. I, I wonder if this is maybe the maybe one of the last years or maybe the last year where we're talking about Ottawa being a top 10, top you know, flirting for a top five pick. If there's finally going to be some gains here and they're going to be out of this top of the draft consideration and conversation year after year. Well, listen, like, I think we thought that last year. Like, I mean, they, they had a top 10 pick last year, um, and they kind of ended up on a, on a high note at the end of that, you know, that all-Canadian season. Um, you know, I think the, Calgary fans probably saw a little bit of it uh, in, in that all-Canadian team where, you know, you're like, uh, division where you're like, wow, you know, Ottawa's got some nice pieces. But they had another kind of lateral step last year, and they finished, I think, 20-whatever, 23rd, 24th overall. And now you're looking at a, a seventh overall pick, and yes, the hope is that this is the last time. But again, we were saying that last year. I think what's really interesting is I like if you're asking me right now, does Ottawa pick at number seven or do they trade that for some immediate help? I think I take the latter option. I think they're ready to say uh, enough is enough. And I, and I think that was the sentiment expressed by Thomas Shabbat and Brady Kachuk in their exit meetings was, hey, We've been through this, you know, Thomas, I think maybe a year or two longer. But, hey, listen, we've four years now. Um, We're done with the losing. We're done with the perpetual rebuild. It's go time for us. And uh, I I think that there's an immense pressure on Pierre Dorian to do something 
tangible with the roster this summer. And, and they've got cap flexibility. They've got this high draft pick. They've got some other prospects. I think it's go time for them. And so I really do think that if you're asking me to, to predict what happens in a couple of weeks of the draft, I think I can see them moving that number seven overall pick and trying to get some immediate help. And that's interesting because I was looking at this team already. So many guys have graduated to the big club that are 23, 24 or younger. Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Stutzla, of course, is in there. Jake Sanderson on the back end. And then you've got guys like Tyler Boucher, Ridley Gregg, Jacob Bernard Docker. First round picks that are, you would think, if not ready, then very soon to be ready to take a spot. You don't. We all love prospects and draft picks, but you're probably right that it's time to maybe shift gears a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And, and um, you know, the windows to win, and again, you know this from, from Calgary, um, your window to win is very small. And, and all of a sudden, guys start to graduate and, and get close to, to unrestricted free agency. And, and it's like, you know, I, I know they've got Shabbat and Kachuk and Batherson locked up for a long time, but... This is kind of the prime of their career. Like, like, I think people need to understand the player's prime of their career usually falls between 22 and, and 26, 27. You know, it's, it's not always 28, 29, 30. You've you got to strike while the iron is hot. And I think in, uh, you also need to strike when guys are on their entry-level deals. And they're going into the, the – this is the last year that Tim Stutzla is on an entry-level deal. Um, they're going to get Jake Sanderson. He comes in on his entry-level deal. Like if these guys start to hit their ceiling, like they're going to be commanding six, seven, eight, nine million dollars. They got to get a new deal for Josh Norris. At some point, you want to win and be competitive when your really, really good players are in the last year or still on entry level. And we've kind of reached that point in Ottawa. So this is going to be this is going to be a really interesting summer. And again, um, I think that there's some pressure here to to get something done. And I, I think they're looking in an ideal world, a top six forward and a top four defenseman, but, uh, you know, mo- most hockey fans will tell you, most general managers would tell you, hey, well, we'd love a top four defenseman and a top six forward. So sometimes it's easier, uh, easier said than done. I don't know how much you maybe would have caught of it, but uh, Brady Kachuk spent some time here in Calgary this summer. Or this spring. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed uh, Brady uh, getting out, going to, going to a, a couple hockey games. Yeah, yeah. First time hearing of it with yeah. Nicolas Baltrins and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. It's it's kind of it was a great story. It's his brother. And was it ever really a story? Were were Senators fans kind of sour to see him wearing red and cheering for the Flames? No, and you know what? And I think any and and there was some noise, right? That you certainly saw some people saying, "Hey, that's weird." Like that, that NHL player is cheering actively for another team. None, I can tell you none of that came from Ottawa and its fan base. I, I, I can tell you this. I think, if anything, Ottawa fans were excited that Brady was there because I think their thinking was, this guy is inside a, in a, a you know, playoff environment, and he's watching the Battle of Alberta, and he's watching uh, Calgary and Dallas. And you know what Brady Kachuk is going to think about walking away from that? I want that myself. I don't want to be cheering for my brother. I, I want to be doing this myself. And so I think most Ottawa fans were like, yeah, listen, like he, he's wearing a, he's wearing a uh, Matthew Kachuk, uh, whatever friendship tour That's t-shirt, right. whatever he had on there. Yeah. He wasn't wearing a flames t-shirt, right? Like, like the people were very clear in Ottawa. He's cheering for his brother. And, and the fact that um, 
anybody would question whether or not you can pull for a family member or a sibling. Heck, you know, when, when um, you know, uh, Brady and, and Matthew, I, I know, are very close with uh, Robbie Thomas and, and uh, the St. Louis Blues. And when, when the, the Blues won the Stanley Cup in 2019, like, they were there. Like, they were, they were hanging out at those Stanley Cup parties. They were there. Like, like I think it's a good thing when, when, when players uh, are out of the playoffs and they're soaking in the playoff atmosphere. I think that leaves them wanting that for themselves. So I don't, I don't see it being a bad thing, and I certainly don't think anybody in Ottawa uh, construed it as anything other than just, just great brotherly love from, from Brady towards Matthew. Yeah, it was awesome. I don't know how anybody could be sour about it. We, we sit here in Calgary. Johnny Gaudreau is a UFA, and Matthew Kachuk is an RFA. Brady, last year, there was some talk. Is he What kind of a deal is he going to sign coming out of entry level? And it uh, didn't show up for camp, and it took a little while, but he got it done signing a seven-year deal at, uh, what, 8.205 yeah. per season. So just a little bit over $8.2 million. I don't know what the number has to be for Matthew, but there's a bit of a feel that this is going to be a hard negotiation. We've heard Matthew talking about Brady when he was going through it over a year ago. And I guess just take us back. Two different guys, two different players. But did you have a feeling that Brady was ready to ink an, a, a long-term seven-year deal when he did? Because Matthew, did, he did a bit of a bridge. He went three times seven coming out of entry level. And now everyone's very curious, what is it that Matthew Kachuk wants big picture? If you would have told me last summer that Brady Kachuk would sign a long-term deal in Ottawa, I wouldn't have believed it because I looked at the pattern. I looked at, you know, and they obviously have the same agent in, uh, in Craig Oster. And uh, I thought, you know, you look at, look at Craig Oster's history of he, he likes to maximize value for his clients, right? And it's the, the bridge year, the deal that kind of takes you to one year out of free agency, and now you can kind of call your shots a little bit more. I thought that that was going to be the case. I unequivocally thought Brady will do a three-year deal and uh, he'll get a you know very similar to the way it was structured for Matthew. There'll be a, a walk here, and, and then it, 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 it's go time. And so the one thing I would say to Flames fans is just you know don't pay attention to some of the noise. Like um, these things happen in such a cone of silence that um, you know I think a lot of us in Ottawa we were following along and thinking, oh no, here comes the war. And listen, listen, he missed regular season games. Yeah. Like Brady Kachuk missed regular season games. So. Um, at that point, I think a lot of us thought this was acrimonious, it was tense, and yet then he turned around and signed a seven-year deal. So the, the only thing I would say is, you know, um, I think that they're a tough negotiating family, and I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I'm always a believer that athletes are the ones who are putting their bodies um, at risk. They have a finite career. If you want to play hardball, play hardball you got a small window to, to, to monetize yourself. And so I think that the, the, the Kachuk family does a very good job, to be honest with you, of, of maximizing their value. And um, it has nothing to do with, with the city that they're playing in, nothing to do with the fan base. I think they, they love where they play. I think they love playing in Canada. I think even though they're all kind of Americans, they, you know, they've, they've got uh, deep roots in Winnipeg, Ottawa, Calgary. They, they, they're, they're like, they're quasi-Canadian, right? And so I, I think they just know how to play hardball and sometimes in hockey, we don't like that, right? Like, we don't like the athletes that kind of stand up for themselves. We're very much a, hey, B, put the team first. But um, I, I, I kind of respect the way that they do business. And at the end of the day, just think about how they play the game on the ice. And that tells you all you need to know about those uh, those Kachuk brothers. Yeah, I hear you. And I think, yeah, we're all kind of 
All kind of singing from the same hymn book there for sure. <laughs> Quality family, good good kids and, and, and great hockey players. Last one for you. We know that July 13th is unrestricted free agency. That's when it opens. For Ottawa, because, and we laid it out already, all young players coming through, there's there's a lot of guys that can be up for a gig this coming year and moving forward. Is this going to be an Ottawa team looking at free agency? You mentioned maybe trading the pick to get help now. Do you see, is there any names that are out there that Senators fans are humming about? Well, the, the number one name, and then there is some there is some smoke to this, is Claude Giroux, because Claude is from here. Like, he, he's a, an Ottawa-area guy. Uh, he comes back in the summer and he lives here. Um, I think he would legitimately wrestle with the idea of coming back here. I just think, like, he's kind of, I think Claude Giroux is going into the, and you would, you would know this for sure. Like, you remember when Jerome McGinley at the end of his career was kind of like a mercenary. He's like, I just need to go find a cup, right? So, you know, Jerome would go to Pittsburgh and Boston and Colorado and L.A. and, like, like just kind of bounce around. I think that's where Claude Giroux is at right now. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he, he's kind of signing these little deals. Maybe he goes back to Florida. Maybe he goes somewhere else. And he's just like, I just need a cup. And then once he gets that, I could see him maybe coming to Ottawa. Or if Ottawa was a, a playoff team next season that maybe, maybe he thinks, okay, I can put them over the top. But the here and the now, I don't know that he would come here. But Ottawa fans are super high on him. And, and I think the fact that he's even willing to entertain it is, uh, is great. But the one name I'm going to throw at you that I'd love to see Ottawa get would be Ilya Mikheyev from, from Toronto. I, I think this guy's a really underappreciated player who kind of plays behind the Matthews, Marners, uh, Tavares, Nylanders, doesn't quite necessarily get uh, the prime uh, you know, offensive minutes. Uh, but he scored 20 goals last year, and I, I feel like he could be a top-six guy with a lot of speed that you know, probably going to place himself out of Toronto with their cap situation. Like That's the type of free agent Ottawa should be pursuing. They won't be in the running for the big-ticket John, you know, Johnny Goudreau's or Phil Forsberg's and the guys that are probably going to command you know, north of 8, 9, 10, whatever million dollars. Uh, I don't see Ottawa in the running for those guys. It's kind of those mid-market, mid-tier free agents that are probably a little bit more attainable. Ian, thanks for your time. So we got the draft, then free agency, and then you can go on vacation. Is that how it works? Fingers crossed. But hey, listen, as you know, there's never there's never really an off season in hockey. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I I'm, I keep waiting for it. It never seems to come, but uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we'll deal with it. Good to talk to you again, man. Be good, and thanks uh, thanks for doing it. Yeah, you betcha. My pleasure. Anytime. Ian Mendez, The Athletic, out in Ottawa. Great news there. It looks like a new building in uh, right where you want it, where you don't have to drive. And somebody was texting, are you really complaining about, 20, about 25 kilometers? The thing is, it's, it's a slow-moving 25 kilometers. It's, I mean, you're not getting there in 15 minutes. It's an hour. And then you get there, and you park, and you go in, and then you watch the Ottawa Senators, which is a shot. But it's fact. They have not been a very good team for a long time. And then you've got to fight the traffic and get all the way home again. So on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you got to really want it. This makes things a lot different, obviously. And I think the team's coming around. Whether it's next year or not remains to be seen. But I didn't see Brady Kachuk signing that deal either. Which is why when people ask... Uh, what's what's Matthew going to do? And every situation is different. And are Kachuk, Matthew, and Gaudreau joined at the hip here? Yes and no. To me, it's yes and no. Because I think if if Johnny moves on, that not only is it the optics and not only is it 
the likelihood of, you know, it's going to impact, the, you would think, their success on the ice. Matthew has the opportunity to just push off and wait for another year, get a, get a $2 million a year pay raise for one more year and then become an unrestricted free agent, even if he loves life here. There are worse situations to be in than that. But I didn't see Brady signing for seven years in Ottawa. So maybe there is uh, maybe there is something to be said about stability and recognition of a good spot and and all of those things. We will break, come back. Ryan Pike will join us from Flames Nation. It is Sportsnet Today, and it's brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, proudly brewing beer right here in Calgary. Visit the tap room and restaurant in the Curry Barracks or find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Alberta. Now, I got a, uh, I got a little, uh, little heads up here. Wild Rose Brewery doing a little giveaway for you today. Ooh. Doing a little giveaway for you today. Up for grabs, a brand new beautiful patio heater. It gets chilly. You know, it's Calgary. It gets burr, right? Get yourself a patio heater courtesy of Wild Rose Brewery. You can text in the answer. We'll do this one fairly quick. If you're hanging in and you're listening now, this could be it. The Ottawa Senators talked to Ian Mendez about it. Who led them in goals last year? Who led them in goal scoring in the 20-whatever-it-was, 21-22 season? Text in 960-960. We'll take a correct answer and make you a winner of a brand-new patio heater courtesy of Wild Rose Brewery. Coming back, Ryan Pike, Flames Nation, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Friday edition of the show rolls on. It's Sportsnet Today. Boomer in for Ryan Pinder. The show brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. They're making beer right here. They're not trucking it in. It's not coming in some pipeline. Nah. Brew it, can it, bottle it, sell it, drink it. Visit the tap room and the restaurant in the Curry Barracks or find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around the province. So before the, uh, before the break there, I had an opportunity for somebody out there to win a brand new patio heater courtesy of Wild Rose Brewery. Stepping up with some stuff. Congrats to Joey Webb. Joey got in. Question was, Ottawa Senators last year, who led them in goals? Number of people saying Stutzla. Some guesses for Brady Kachuk. It was Josh Norris. He had 35 in just 66 games. The, uh, the young center for the Senators, getting it done. Good player. So congrats, Joey. Someone will be in contact with you. We'll get you all warmed up with that patio heater. We move on and catch up with a regular guest on the program from Flames Nation, Ryan Pike. Hello, Pike. How are you? Boom. I don't think I talked to you in a while. How you doing, man? I am good. Pinder's very busy. He's going on holidays. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm happy to stick around. I just find I don't get enough time to talk on the radio. It's just one that's, thing that I deal I, with. I was going to say, I mean, geez, like there's how many weeks a year does Pinder actually do his show, his schedule? It's weird. Yeah. That's what, and people just more boomer. That's what everyone really needs in their, in their life is more me. So I apologize for for being here instead of Pinder today. But we were talking to Ian Mendez in the last segment, and I know I saw you on Twitter yesterday kind of talking about, is Ottawa going to get a new rink before we get a new rink in Calgary? We, they already got one since we built the Saddle Dome. It's great news for Ottawa, and it, it, it does get people thinking again about what's going on here in Calgary. I know you keep a close eye, or as, as close as you can. It's hard to know if there is anything going on. If you were to kind of give a Coles notes or to let people in, what 
as far as you can tell on what happened in Ottawa and what might be happening here, what what's your intel on the rink situation in either city? Well, in, in Ottawa, they were doing basically uh, the, the Le Breton Flatland is uh, federal land. So they, you know, the, the feds are like, ah, oh, let's, let's do some of it. So the National Capital Commission uh, was essentially taking bids for it. They've done it a few times. Uh, the last time they did it, uh, uh, the senators won that bidding process, but it just you know, the, the deal just didn't materialize the way they wanted to. And so then, you know, everyone went back to the drawing board and uh, the senators, to be blunt, just came back with a much better plan than they did the last time. And so, you know, the the, the financing hasn't been nailed down yet, uh, but, you know, they, they have some good partners. Uh, uh, Populous is the, the is going to be the main architect of the building. Uh, for those of you who go, oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, Populous uh, designed the uh, the building uh, in in Vegas, uh, they just they you know were really involved in in the building uh, of the UBS Arena in uh, in Long Island, the the new uh, Belmont Park Arena, and uh, they're actually in town. They're they're the the main uh, the main architects for the uh, the BMO expansion across the street from the Saddle Dome. Oh, that big yeah, uh, yeah. the big mess of uh, of uh, rebar and uh, metal right now. It's going to turn out to be you know, hopefully a really gorgeous facility. But yeah, so you know they they've got some heavy hitters and. You know, I think now the challenge is, I mean, you know, they they I believe they have uh, until the end of the year to sort of uh, nail down a, a lease agreement with the, the National Capital Commission and basically lay out a full plan. So it's not it's not a done deal yet, but it's definitely headed in the right direction. And it's it's I think it's really exciting for, for hockey fans in Ottawa because, you know, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the geography of uh, the National Capital Region, uh, the current arena is basically the, in the equivalent of Airdrie and all due respect to our lovely friends in Airdrie, Airdrie ain't exactly central. And if the Saddle was in Airdrie, I think the Flames would have some of the same operational challenges that the Senators do. So, you know, hopefully it keeps going forward because, you know, more downtown and central buildings that we have, the, the better it's going to be for fans and for the game. And as far as Calgary, is there anything, any rumblings? I know you keep an eye on city council meetings and your ears to the ground on that. Is there any reason for optimism or hope here that something as far as good news could be coming soon? No, they're they're working on it. The, the folks I talk to in city and men are upbeat, but I mean, you know, they're they're going to be upbeat until they hit a wall. Uh, you know, they put a lot of work into this, and you know, the the nice thing, if you want to be optimistic, I mean, the uh, the development permit for the the, the prior incarnation is valid until uh, the end of November, uh, which means that if they get a deal done before the fall, they can pretty much get shovels in the ground right away. Uh, the uh, the arena design that uh, that uh, you know a dialogue and uh, and HOK put together that's owned by the flames. So uh, if, you know, and to be honest, the flames really like the design uh, a few quibbles here and there aside. Uh, so they, you know, realistically, if a deal came together over the summer, they could just take the prior design out of the, out of the drawer, say, let's just do this. The permitting is already done. So, you know, I, I know it feels to, to fans like we're sort of on a, on a, a treadmill. We're not really making much progress, but when progress does happen, I'll, you know, we could go from, let's figure out financing to, okay, shovels in the ground pretty quickly. It would, it would just be a matter of obviously going to tender and getting every, you know, the actual contracts out. But in terms of, you know, nailing down the designs and stuff, a lot of the, the nitty gritty work is already done. Not going to ask you about Johnny Gaudreau, but I'm going to tap dance around it in kind of by extension. We, uh, we learned yesterday, it was in an article in the Tennessean down in Nashville that, They've offered an eight-year deal to Philip Forsberg, David Poyle, with some quotes talking about, hey, we, it's going to be an eight-year deal. We want him, but at the same time, 
we need a plan B, C, or D if if things don't come together. We have to formulate other plans right now. Which, so for David Poyle, the uh, the pinch point, the the point of pressure was now in terms of trying to get Philip Forsberg under contract. What's your read on a similar? maybe pivot point for the Flames if they don't get the answer that they want from Johnny Gaudreau. And I guess just your read on on Forsberg. It felt like he was going to be leaving anyway, but uh, but it doesn't sound like that's great news as far as a return to Nashville for him. To me, it feels, you know, if, if the, I think the Flames need to know what's going on or have a pretty good idea of what's going on by the draft. I mean, you, you know Brad for living fairly well. Uh, he he does his best work at the draft and he does his heavy lifting at the draft. So I think if Goudreau's staying, you're going to need to, to figure out how to fit his cap space and how to fit Kachuk's cap space and Manjipani's cap space. Like you kind of want to have an, a, a pretty decent idea of who's sticking around and roughly how much they're going to make uh, by the draft. Because that way you can, you know, if you need to blow a hole in your roster to make it work, the, the best time to do that is the draft. Similarly, you know, if if he if you think he's going to walk and you need to come up with a, a plan B, you know, no better time than the draft to you know maybe move his rights to maybe see what else is out there in the market to you know potentially make over like let's say let's say the Flames are like ah oh, might not work out the Gaudreau, but Nat, we're here in Nashville having some issues with Philip Forsberg maybe we can uh, see if he can get an angle in and get an early an early chance to talk to Forsberg so I, I think you probably want to have an idea by Canada Day so in about a week you probably want to have a good sense of if this is going to move forward or if you're going to go in opposite directions because. You know, there's there's a lot of dominoes that need to topple either way. Yeah, it's a tricky spot because you're not usually dealing with a player of this magnitude going to UFA. They, you either know that they're out or you've long since had them extended. There's not a lot of not a lot of power of, in their position for the Flames. And you, you'd like to kind of strong arm and maybe do a David Poyle and say, listen, we, we need a plan B. We need to know by a certain date. But I just don't feel like the Flames can do that with what the player is, how much he means to the city, the team, his had his career year, all of that. I don't know that you can have a strong arm tactic if you're Brad Treliving or the Flames here. And it's it's a it's a kind of a departure for for Treliving because I mean, you know, talking to folks around the league, you know, the, a lot of agents and a lot of camps they respect the hell out of Treliving because you know he he does a good job of negotiations, but he's also a really tough negotiator when he has any kind of leverage. So, you know, we, we, we've seen this with a, a few, you know, recent RFA negotiations. I have a good, a good example of that is the negotiation he had with, uh, with Johnny Gaudreau uh, in 2016, when Gaudreau was a, a restricted free agent. Uh, Gaudreau was a kind of restricted free agent. He only, he only played a couple of years in the league, so he wasn't eligible for offer sheet. So the Flames basically had all the leverage and they were able to, to a large extent dictate the way the negotiation went. And, you know, now the, the shoe's sort of on the other foot because, you know, pending unrestricted free agent coming off a 115 point season, you know, Gaudreau arguably has all the leverage in the situation. That's sort of a, an unusual uh, stance for, for the Flames to be in. So I agree with you. I think it's, you know, I don't think the Flames can publicly or privately tr- put much heat on Gaudreau because, you know, it's going to basically be up to what Gaudreau wants to do. If he wants to remain a flame until his mid to late thirties, he can do that. If he wants to see what else is out there, he can do that. So it's, uh, it's kind of an uncomfortable situation because if you're the flames, you know, they do so many other things that you need to get done this summer. And obviously this is the most important one, but 
to get anything else done, you kind of want to know what's going on with this. So I think this feels like the kind of summer where I don't think Sir Living is going to be spending much time uh, by the beach because there's going to be a lot of stuff to do, and a lot of the stuff to do is going to drag on for a while. Yeah, ma- and major business to take care of. And you hear it from GMs. There's not very often are GMs really in a position of power in terms of the negotiation and have that leverage. So when you do, when you have an RFA, you you use that leverage because it changes very quickly when they get ARB rights or then get into UFA uh, status. Before I let you go, just your thoughts on what you've seen with the Cup. It's been a heavyweight fight. We've had two blowouts and two overtime games, a thriller the other night. I'm not so much focused on, on too many men, but what do you see in Tampa Bay? Have they got enough left? Is there enough health there? For them to extend this series or are we seeing it maybe come to a close tonight all i can say is i mean if you're if you're Daryl sutter you're probably just chuckling at uh the eight days wasted comment coming to fruition so often and so pronouncedly because you know i'll give colorado credit i mean you know tampa's a really really good team and colorado seems to have the answer for them right now they're they're playing with speed and you know heck you know colorado is definitely not 100 percent. i mean they have probably three or four key players playing through stuff, but they've, they've executed well when they needed to. And, you know, they've hectic, you know, they very few teams at any level have the capability of blowing out the Tampa Bay lightning in a game, let alone, you know, owning so much of the ice for so long. So, I mean, if you're Tampa, I think I'm really curious what, uh, what the first period of tonight's game looks like. Cause you know, will it be, will Tampa retain their composure? Will they just go, go nuts and go full board and try to take uh, Colorado out of their comfort zone? It, it could go any number of ways. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. Good to talk to you. Thanks as always for your time. You're really generous with it. We appreciate it. Have a self, uh, try and stay dry. Have a good weekend. We'll do it again soon. You too. Boom ticker. Right on. There he is from flames nation, Ryan Pike. Uh, joins us regularly here on uh, not just this show, but on The Fan, digging in deep on all the things going on with the Flames, even almost busier in the offseason. News coming out of Chicago. Apparently, Luke Richardson, currently uh, previously an assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens, rumored to be the new head coach. Heard this the other day that the job was kind of his if he wanted it. The, uh, the, the deal is not done, but things are pointed in the direction where Richardson, Luke Richardson, who's a great guy, good luck finding anybody that's got a bad word to say about Luke Richardson, that he will become the new head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. So that's a cool, uh, cool deal there. Good for him. The uh, stories coming in from the morning skate taking place in Denver in advance of the game tonight. Andre Burakovsky with the team hasn't played since being hit in the hand with the puck in the second period of game two. Apparently came out, took a twirl, and left. So it would seem like his availability is probably, uh, let's call it doubtful, with a, what, mid-body injury? Mid-body for Burakovsky? And on the other side, we'll wait and see what comes out of the uh, the Tampa story. They're banged up. Can Point get in there? Where is Kucherov at? Chernak took that shot the other night and didn't play again. What are they going to do in the blue line? We'll find out as uh, Jeff Merrick show coming up in just a matter of moments. He'll have more on that, obviously. To uh, to everybody on the show today, going back to the other sh- to that other Boomer show, whatever it was, Stephen Brunt, Chip Alexander, go and get the podcast. Good stuff there today from Chip Alexander, where the Carolina Hurricanes are pointed. Stephen Brunt is always joining us from Newfoundland. Good stuff there. And Sportsnet today, a presentation of Wild Rose Brewery proudly brewing. I have to slow down. Wild Rose Brewery proudly brewing their beer right here in Calgary. Visit the tap room and restaurant 
in the Curry Barracks or find your favorite Wild Rose beer at bars and liquor stores around Alberta. GVP, you got big plans this weekend, buddy. You going to go out and get just right uh, snapping, you know? I'm going to go hit the fairways, I think. Yeah. A little can't, da- can't do it today. A little damp out Planning there. on doing it today, yeah. but obviously a little moist. Yeah, it is a little moist. Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow looks a little bit better. Hey, yeah. listen. Good, good job, buddy. Hey, thanks. Patty Dumas had to go. Uh, he was working the other shift. And GVP, how long you been here? Uh... About a month and a couple weeks. Intern coming in, learning that I said this the other day. Usually we get interns, they come in, they realize that the morning show starts at 6 a.m., which means getting here by 6 a.m., and they do it about twice, and then they leave. You've been doing it every day. You were at the controls all by yourself today. Not the, And you've done it before already, but great job today. Yeah, trying to keep this ship afloat. Good job, buddy. Good job, and especially with Pinder. He's a disaster most <laughs> days with that Pinder report. But good job, buddy. Well done. Right, have a great see. weekend. And uh, to everybody else, have a fine weekend. Jeff Merrick Show coming up. See ya, buddies.